There are certain skills, critical skills, that you need, that we all need, not only to get ahead in our lives, but also to ensure a successful path forward for our children and for the survival of our constitutional republic. You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to It's All About Skills. This is a series of programs where we discuss the critical skills and their application in the real world. My name is Charlie Jett, and we're coming to you from our studio in beautiful downtown Chicago. I'm an internationally certified coach specializing in career management, skill development, positive intelligence, and career crises. Now, we have a wonderful guest today, Dory Clark. Dory has been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world and has been recognized as the number one communication coach in the world. Dory is a consultant and a keynote speaker. She teaches executive education at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the Columbia Business School. Dory is also recognized as a branding expert by the Associated Press, Fortune, and Inc. magazines, and is the author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, and Stand Out, the, la the latter having been named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. magazine, and one of the top 10 business books of the year by Forbes. So welcome, Dory, to It's All About Skills. Charlie, I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's delightful that you could join us. I appreciate your time. And to get us started, let's take a look back into the past. And as a young woman, you left home early for college with the hopes of getting a master's degree in theology and becoming a political reporter, presidential campaign spokesperson, nonprofit executive director, and documentary filmmaker. That's a load. Now, what was the fulfillment of those dreams? Well, thank you very much, Charlie. I did. I did end up doing those things, although I, to be to be very honest about the process, I certainly didn't envision them all up front. Uh, my career was a bit of an iterative process, and so going to divinity school, for instance, was something that nev never even occurred to me. I suppose I must have known that that studying theology was a thing, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't occur to me as a possible path until there was actually, you know, sort of bizarrely, a recruiter from Harvard Divinity School went to my college and gave a workshop. And uh, I, I decided it would be interesting to sit in on it. And as I was listening, I just thought, oh, this would be perfect. Uh, so it was really seizing an opportunity that presented itself to me and diving into it. And then after I finished Divinity School with my master's degree, I thought I wanted a career in academia. And so I applied to doctoral programs. And unfortunately, I ended up getting turned down by every single one that I applied to. So I had to uh, come up with some new goals for myself very fast. So I'd say my career on the whole has been a combination of jumping on opportunities that presented itself and then having to uh, adjust and adapt when my original strategy didn't necessarily work out. Well, you certainly have succeeded. And one of the things you do is you teach education, ed executive education at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business, as well as the Columbia Business School. Now, specifically, what do you teach? 
So for Duke, I teach a course, and I, ha I have for a number of years, called uh, Communication for Leaders. And uh, over the past year with COVID, it's, it's now been virtual, but hopefully we'll be able to go back to in-person before too long. Uh, it's a course that I developed. The premise is that basically it is a summation of all of the things that executives most need to know about how to communicate effectively, both internally and externally. So we go over uh, presentations and public speaking, including uh, in a virtual environment and how to do webinars effectively. We talk about crisis communication and answering difficult questions. And we talk about social media and the, the ways that professionals can use it effectively for bolstering their own careers. And then at Columbia, I've been teaching uh, workshops as part of their advanced management program on personal branding and building your brand as a leader. Wow. And you've been uh, also described as an expert in self-reinvention and helping others make change in their lives. Tell us about that and what that means for your clients. Well, I think in terms of the self-reinvention part, uh, what I believe the reporter was referring to was uh, probably my, my string of, uh, of all the different careers that I had in my 20s before I was able to, uh, to actually land and become an executive coach and do the consulting work that I do today. Some of the things you mentioned, like making documentary films and uh, being a nonprofit executive director and working on political campaigns. But Certainly it teaches you a lot because you have to learn to adapt and pivot and be expansive in your thinking while nonetheless pursuing tactics and uh, specific goals assiduously. And that has served me in, in reasonably good stead for the past 15 years I've had my own business. And so while I've technically been doing the same thing, there have been a lot of pivots within that in terms of the areas that I focus on and starting to do new things, whether it's writing books I've now written for, uh, doing things like for the past year, I've run a weekly interview show for Newsweek. So there's been a, a variety of, uh, of re small reinventions, even within the broad rubric of my career. And in terms of how that applies to my clients, I think one of the things that I've become really cognizant of is that in order to be successful, we need to be aware of and to the, to the extent possible, uh, be thoughtful about shaping how others view us. Because you know nobody wants to be the tree falling in the forest and nobody hears it, right? It's important to be good, but it's also important to be recognized as being good. Otherwise, the opportunities that you want and that you deserve are not gonna come your way. So you really have to master both. Yeah, I noticed you recently wrote an article or in your newsletter about uh, becoming an expert in your field. Yes, so so important. I mean, ultimately, um, becoming a recognized expert, I think, is is one of the the best things we can do in our career. And it might seem mysterious, like, oh, well, it just happens, or it just doesn't happen. You know, you have to sort of see how it plays out. Uh, but I realized that it was so mission critical for all of us as professionals to understand that process. I really devoted myself to studying the question and to trying to break, break it down as much as possible into a bit of a science. And so that is really fundamentally the topic of my book, Stand Out, is how do you become a recognized expert in your field? And over the past five years, I've run an online course and community around that issue. Wow, and you mentioned your clients. Now describe your niche in your coaching practice. Who might be your ideal client or clients? So there's really a couple of answers to that. The first 
is I do work with corporate leaders and uh, specifically that, you know, that is communications consulting, uh, much of which comes out of my work that I used to do on political campaigns. So it's thinking about external messaging. If you have an important message to deliver to your board, to, uh, to investors, uh, or for that matter, to your employees, when things are high stakes, how do you communicate effectively? Uh, so I help a lot of corporate leaders with that. I also work with individual professionals. Uh, many of them are consultants or they're coaches or they're other service providers. And generally what I work with them on is kind of a different facet of communications, uh, kind of more in the branding space about how do you establish yourself as a thought leader in your field? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned communications. When I first read some of the things you were doing, that really caught my uh, attention because it's one of the most important, if not the most important, of all the critical skills based on, on my own research. Now, what led you to the communications uh, area as your specialty? Well, I think uh, certainly it was an appreciation, as, as you have, for the, the massive and outsized role it plays in our daily lives and in our overall ability to be effective at whatever it is we want to do, you know, getting an idea across or advancing in our careers or landing business or, you know, whatever it is, communication is at the heart of it. I, I think also, you know, to be honest, uh, it was just an area that I gravitated to naturally. I think I probably had uh, some skills or interest in it that I can't necessarily uh, take too much credit for. Uh, but it was a thing from the time that I was uh, young that writing and speaking were things that I enjoyed. Well, you're really good at it. And of course, the communication skill, uh, it's all basically uh, getting ideas out of your head and into somebody else's head, whether you, or getting ideas out of their heads and into your head, whether you read, write, listen, or speak. So you exactly. really, from my perspective, hit the nail on the head. Now, Thank uh, you. Uh, the title of one of your books is The Long Game, in which you write about how someone can be a long-term thinker in a short-term world. Tell us about that. Yeah, thank you, Charlie. So this is the newest book uh, that I've written. It's actually going to be coming out September 21st this year, 2021. And I'm very excited to unleash it to the world. Uh, in the long game, what I'm really grappling with is an issue certainly that I experienced myself as I was building my business, but also one that I saw again and again amongst participants in my recognized expert community, which is just grappling with the process of what it takes to accomplish your goals, the process of what it takes to become successful. Everybody knows, we've all heard a million times, that success is not something that happens overnight. And so everybody knows that. But the, the biggest problem that I found is that besides not overnight, nobody actually knows what it really means. Nobody tells you, you know, is it a week? Is it a month? Is it a year? Is it 10 years? You know, what does not overnight mean? And so I set out to write a book to begin to contextualize that for people, because I really feel like a lot of very smart, very talented people with good ideas oftentimes give up too fast because they feel like they're not making traction. And the truth is, it's just that things haven't started yet. That doesn't mean that they're not going to. And so I wanted to create a book that really helps people think through the process of attaining their goals 
and uh, hopefully can help them persevere through the, the difficult and challenging parts. And that's coming out in September. And I understand you can also uh, pre-purchase the, uh, the book on Amazon. You are so right. Thank which, you. By the, which, by the way, I already did. Oh, you're so good. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> hey, the title of another one of your books is Entrepreneurial You. That focuses on careers and specifically about what it takes for someone to create the career that they want. That's important. So tell us about that. Yeah. So Entrepreneurial You is a book that I wrote. It came out in 2017 and I was inspired to write it after my book Stand Out because I had a realization, which is standing out, you know, becoming a recognized expert in your field. Of course, that is an important thing. Uh, it is something that I still value and, and would endorse for any professional that wants to build a strong career or make a difference. But what I came to realize is that is good. It's not necessarily sufficient in terms of building the kind of career we all want, because in today's society, you it is quite possible to become really well-known and really, really well-respected and yet not make very much money. Respect and monetization do not necessarily go hand in hand. They're separate things and they're separate skills. And so I wanted to write Entrepreneurial You as a way of bridging that gap and helping people understand and think through specifically, how can you build a robust and financially successful business that will help you uh, be sustainable so that you can continue making the difference that you want to make? Yeah, now you, you, it's all about careers and so forth. And, you know, in, during the course of your experience and over the past 20 and 30 years, careers have really changed from uh, what they were back when you could join a company and go up the ladder and there'd be a career path. And now it's a little bit different. You have to have these uh, skills that are portable. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Um, we need to be flexible. We, we need to be resilient. And we need to be able to reinvent ourselves. Now, the title of another one of your book is, speaking of reinventing, Reinventing You. It's a step-by-step -step guide for a person to reinvent themselves in today's competitive job market. So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So Reinventing You is a, a book that I wrote largely inspired by a lot of the career changes that I made early on. But what really drove me was as I was going through these reinventions, I really felt at a loss. I felt like I was having to make up everything on my own. I didn't have a playbook and I was sure I was making mistakes and reinventing the wheel. And I wanted to create a guide so that other people going through the experience, whether it's voluntary because they want a new challenge in their life or perhaps involuntary as it was for me when I got laid off from my job, I wanted a way to make things easier for people so that it wouldn't feel quite so upsetting or so traumatic uh, to reinvent, but instead could feel a little bit more joyful and a little bit more like a new opportunity. And so I interviewed uh, dozens of professionals who had successfully reinvented themselves to try to understand what it was that they did and what were the best practices. And uh, I created Reinventing You as a, a guidebook to enable people to, to hopefully do that more, more seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Now, Dory, you also write extensively for other publications, specifically the Harvard Business Review and, and places like that. Tell us about uh, some of that. 
Yeah. So I have been writing for HBR for quite a while now. I started in 2010. So it's been now over a decade uh, that I've been writing for them. And I've done uh, close to 200 articles uh, for for HBR. So it's certainly become a, a part of uh, how I spend my time and, and share my ideas. But, you know, ultimately, what I've come to realize, um, we were talking earlier, Charlie, about becoming a recognized expert and how that works and why that matters. And what I discovered in my research is that fundamentally, becoming a recognized expert has three key components. And one of them is your network. One of them is your social proof or your credibility. And the third is content creation, because it is almost impossible to become a recognized expert in your field if people don't know what your ideas are. And so therefore, you need to find vehicles to share them. Now, it doesn't have to be writing. It could be, you know, having a podcast like yours. It could be having a video series. It could be, you know, giving lots of speeches. But in my case, as a former print journalist, I decided that I would focus on writing. And so uh, HBR is one place I write for. I also write now for Fast Company. I used to write a lot for Entrepreneur and for Forbes. So sharing my ideas through articles has been a very powerful way to kind of stake out uh, some turf and uh, share, share ideas and develop a base of intellectual property that I'm known for. Yeah, and consistent with that, you, uh, you share your ideas routinely uh, with your newsletter in terms of content creation and get, getting your name out there a lot. Tell us about your newsletter and how somebody can uh, subscribe. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. I, I definitely uh, try to put a lot of care and effort into the newsletter. I know that uh, for most people who receive too many emails, they feel like, oh my God, one more newsletter is like, I need that, like I need a hole in the head. And so the idea of subscribing to a newsletter does not sound very appealing. Uh, I have tried to go to the opposite extreme and to hopefully make it as interesting and as valuable as possible for people. And in fact, I was honored uh, a little over a year ago uh, Forbes wrote an article about uh, something like the, you know, the six top newsletters for you to read. And mine was uh, listed as one of them, uh, which I, I really appreciated. So I really try to share a lot of useful articles, information. Fortunately, uh, to your previous question about writing and creating content, over the past decade, I've written more than 700 articles. Oh, uh, so it was a lot of articles. So there, there's a lot of material to draw from in terms of the newsletter. Uh, so for anyone who might like to check it out, uh, they can go to doryclark.com slash subscribe and they can uh, they can join up and, and check out my newsletter for themselves. Well, I'll tell you, your newsletters are terrific because you, you communicate a lot of content in a very short amount of time. You don't give somebody a real long article that's difficult to read. You're right to the point and you get on from one point to the other. And I really like it. I'm a subscriber. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, Dory, now you're familiar with the eight critical skills that form the foundation of this podcast. Uh, how do they fit into what you teach and how you coach? I know communication fits in because it's number one. We both agree on that. But uh, what are some of the other ideas? So the, the, the skills of productions, making it happen, information, analysis, technology, interpersonal, time management. Oh, and also continued education. What about those? Yeah, it's it's so great, and I, I love the framework that you've set up, Charlie. I think you have a lot of a lot of gold in here. 
uh, certainly in terms of uh, interpersonal relationships and connections, I know from experience, I've done uh, a course that I, I created for LinkedIn Learning on interpersonal communication. So actually, I guess it kind of ties in uh, two of your points together. And that has been one of my most popular courses of all time. Uh, it seems like there's a real need and a real hunger for that. I mean, in today's society, it is almost impossible to accomplish anything on our own. You know, we have to enlist other people. We have to get other people excited about our ideas so that we can work together. And so finding ways to, uh, to communicate and to, to serve as a, a good team member with them, I think is, is really invaluable. Uh, certainly also you were mentioning that I uh, work as a professor of executive education at Duke and Columbia. And so I, I'm really a believer in continuing education. And I know, you know, certainly, uh, certainly, you know, for you, you are an exemplar of this. It is beyond bonkers to think that, you know, we finish up a college education or a graduate degree and then, oh, that's it. Um, a lot has happened, <laughs> you know, uh, whether, whether you graduated 50 years ago or whether you graduated, you know, last year, uh, there's still a lot that's happened and we have to keep our skills sharp. And so creating the habit of learning, I think, is, is one of the best things we can do. In my book, Reinventing You, I actually talk about the distinction between what I call capital R reinvention and lowercase r reinvention. And in capital R reinvention, those are the sort of big moments that everybody thinks about, like, oh, you quit your job or, oh, you, you, know, you decided to go back to school or whatever it is. That's the sort of dramatic, visible stuff. But underneath the surface, one of the most important things we can all do is to become masters of lowercase r reinvention, which is the small things we can do on a regular basis, whether it's, you know, reading books in new subjects or subscribing to the paper and reading it regularly or, you know, taking a LinkedIn learning course on your lunch break or something like that, just to keep ourselves fresh, to keep ourselves sharp and to make sure that we don't ossify. Well, I, I will agree with you that LinkedIn learning is a wonderful, wonderful place to learn just about anything. I mean, you can, you, if you're interested in emotional intelligence or how to use Adobe Audition, you can go there and get a long course on it. I know, I've done it, so I use it. I'm gonna subscribe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check your course out too, York. Oh, that's great, that's great. Yeah, I've done, I've done a bunch. I've actually done, I think, 24 courses for LinkedIn Learning, so there's a, a lot of good stuff in there. Great. Now, speaking of teaching and learning and so forth, Let's jump down to the, uh, the educational system in this country. Uh, the kind of skills that we're talking about uh, aren't the kind of skills that are directly taught necessarily in class. And uh, how, how does a student K through 12 learn these skills? Oh my goodness. It, it, is, it is one of the vexing challenges of modern society to figure out how to reform uh, the education system. And I, you know, I have to confess, I am, uh, I'm torn. Uh, I'm certainly familiar with all of the um, arguments and counter arguments around things like standardized testing uh, that, you know, we have uh, wealthier parents saying, no, no, we don't, you know, we don't want our, our students' minds uh, to be so rigid and that they're taught to the test. We, we want them to roam. And meanwhile, of course, you have, uh, you have poorer communities where they say, oh my God, please, we need these, uh, these standardized tests so that we can actually validate that the schools uh, are, are operating well enough and that our kids are learning what they need to learn. And, you know, it, it's, it goes, 
goes around and around what is the right answer and what's the, the right way to do it. I think, you know, ultimately, when it comes to developing skills, um, I am personally a fan of, uh, you know, when I, when I was growing up, our school, there's, there's always these sort of uh, kind of modalities that people get into. But one that I actually thought was surprisingly helpful was our school got into uh, E.D. Hirsch and the concept of cultural literacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of critics of it. But I do think that on the whole, it was a very useful framework that enabled us by learning about key cultural literacy components, you know, just the, the things that people talk about, uh, it enables you to be a more informed participant in conversations about civic life. And so I, I found that uh, to be something useful that I got out of my K-12 experience. Another, another place, it seems to me, and I like your views on this, is that, that where they could learn these kinds of skills are in what are called extracurricular activities like uh, debate, speech, uh, uh, participating in performing arts, sports, uh, things like that. What are your thoughts about that? Ah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. Uh, I think, you know, oftentimes just the nature of the, the classroom is that there's, there's only so many things you can do. There's only so many uh, experiences that you can have. And so the more different environments that you're operating in, whether it is having to work together as a, you know, as a team to put on a play or having to work together uh, on a sports field and to understand competition and how to, uh, how to win. And of course, equally important, how to, how to deal with it when you lose. Uh, these are, are really important skills. Well, now suppose that, um, somehow you were in a position to develop and implement policy for teaching these kinds of skills at the K-12 level. You mentioned a lot of the ways that can be done, but what would be a general description of uh, the policies that you'd, uh, you'd uh, present and, uh, and, and administer? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, f- first of all, uh, please God, let me not ever be in that position. <laughs> well, I don't know I, about that. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that know a lot more about this than I do, uh, but I, I think that uh, you know when it when it comes to uh, to schooling and and how best to uh, to serve the interests of youth, I um, I think that ultimately um, probably the most important thing that we can actually be teaching kids, uh, and there's a lot of ways one could potentially do this, but it's, it's just in general, um, the idea of self-efficacy. I think that that's at the heart of everything. Um, if you are enshrining a mindset where people feel like, oh, well, education is a thing that is done to me, you know, people teach me things and then, you know, I, I learn it or I do it or I don't do it. I, I think that kind of passivity is really not helpful. Um, what I would like to see, what I would hope and wish for every student is for them to understand and embrace the understanding that education is about their own power to, to call their shots, you know, to identify what's interesting to them and for them to know and to understand, you know what, you want to know about it? 
you can <laughs> go do it. And I think the more that we can empower people to understand that they are the captains of their destiny and whatever they want to do, if they don't know how to do it, they can figure it out and they can hunt it down. They can ask questions. Uh, they, they can make that real. I think that that is the ingredient that we need tied into your point about lifelong learning, Charlie, that will create a positive substratum. Yeah. Now, one of the things that uh, these, these skills are very, very important and they can be taught indirectly, sometimes directly, but unlike, and you also mentioned uh, standardized tests. Well, you can't measure the, the how, do you, how do you assess a person's competencies in these skills? They don't choose A, B, C, or D. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. I mean, I, I think that one of the real challenges with our current system is, um, honestly, it's that people take it too seriously. And what I mean by that, I, I, I mean the participants within it take it too seriously. Um, kids who are good at school often feel really boondoggled when they somehow get out and discover, wait a minute, the world isn't like this. That, you know, that isn't fair. I, I, I had figured this out. I had optimized for this thing. And then the world's not like it. And they get kind of embittered. And, uh, and then, you know, meanwhile, uh, you have, you know, you, at, at the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, some kids who are not at all interested, not at all motivated. And, you know, some, some do remarkably well, you know, kind of the Richard Branson's of the world, maybe, you know, you hear lots of stories about kids with learning disabilities or, you know, the dyslexic entrepreneur or something like that that's able to flourish in a different uh, system uh, because the, the, the school system as it stood uh, was often very denigrating to them and to their self-esteem, which of course is really problematic. Um, so, you know, th there's, there's a lot of challenges with it. And I, I think that we as a society need to understand and, and you know be honest about the fact that school is is one mode it's one way of learning but it's it's not it's not the whole game and I think uh, you know when you hear stories for instance about a lot of uh, upper middle class kids who are so freaked out and they all have anxiety disorders now about trying to get into Ivy League schools I mean that's that's sort of a ridiculous extreme as well you know the we we often make the stakes artificially high when the truth is there are a lot of ways to succeed. Well, I'll tell you, Dory, uh, I really admire you for, for what you're doing and the success you've had and uh, what you're going to continue to have. And I, I really want to wish you the most, most, the best of success. But I want to go over again how someone can get in touch with you, how they can access your newsletter, get your books, or possibly hire you as a consultant or a speaker. Oh, thank you so much, Charlie. I, I appreciate it, and uh, it's very it's very kind of you. And uh, of course, I know I know you're an amazing coach as well. So uh, so I hope people will be reaching out to you. Um, but in terms of how they can get in touch with me, um, and especially to learn about my new book, The Long Game, I do have a free resource, which is a long game strategic thinking self assessment, and folks can get that for free at doryclark.com/slash/thelonggame. And if they want to uh, learn more about me in general or the yeah, get access to the 700 free articles that I've written, they can do it at doryclark.com. That's doryclark.com. That's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. 
That's it. Thank you. Okay. Hey, well, Dory, thank you so much uh, for being our guest today on It's All About Skills. I'm cognizant of your time and so forth, and I appreciate it. Um, now, as for me, I'm an internationally certified coach, and I specialize in career management, skill development, career crises, and positive intelligence. And you can get in touch with me through my website, charliejetcoaching.com. So in closing, I just want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today. And we'll see you next time as we discuss the critical skills on It's All About Skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.